Welcome to another episode of Consider This. Today in the studio, I have the great Carrie and Jesse Pryor. And, and Jesse brought his dad with him, which was a little strange, but it's the first time we've ever had just a dad show up. But uh, actually, John, Jesse's dad, uh, and his wife, Benita, were the ones that uh, were kind of instrumental in starting all of this work that happened in Papua New Guinea. I really think you're going to be blessed and encouraged, um, not only by hearing about um, the depth and the breadth of the work that they are doing there, but even some insights in how Bible translations work, um, and I think it's going to be both a, a, a challenge to you uh, and a blessing as you think about it. Um, so I hope you enjoy uh, this episode of Consider This. So Jesse, tell me a little bit about um, uh, the work uh, that you and your wonderful wife and family are involved in uh, in Papua New Guinea. Um, Dad came to me about 16 years ago and said, hey, Jesse, I've got this dream. I want to have a medical center, a literacy training center, and I want someone who already knows the culture, who uh, knows what it's going to be like working over there. And I said, where are you going to find somebody like that? <laughs> and he said, well, I can think of two people. From my own loins. Yeah. Is that what he said to you? From no. my own loins? <laughs> oh, please, no. And I said, well, where are you going to find somebody like that? And he said, well, I can think of two people, and your brother doesn't have any construction experience. Oh, that's awesome. And I said, you're crazy. I'm not going back there. I said, I'm living the American dream. We just built our house. I'm on my way to having 2.5 kids. Um, and six months later... Carrie and I went to the field. How long have you been, have, had you been married at that time, Carrie? Oh, goodness. I'd say about three years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. About three years, two little ones, another one on the way? We had just the two. Okay. So you said the 2.5. So that was more of the dream Yeah, yeah that was analogy. the American yeah. dream. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, and now you've been there for 16 years. It'll be 16 in February. Okay. Um, and all those things that you just described are actually in place? The medical center, the... We, we have a medical clinic. It's operational. Last year in a village of 550 people, the clinic treated almost 5,000 people. Wow. Um, That's amazing. The FODE Center is new for the last two years. Flexible open distance education. She can explain more about what it does. Talk about that, Carrie. Yeah, our, new, our newest school uh, is the FODE School. It's got uh, grades 7 through 12. Um, I teach there every afternoon. It's originally set up by the government to be a a correspondence school so I don't have to do full-time classes so we I rotate classes each day I do three different grades each day seven eight nine on a couple days a week and then 10 11 12 on another few days a week um, it's just a way for um, almost like a GED program where kids can come uh, back okay. and if they've not been able to continue in the traditional way or if they've gotten married or if they've just dropped out for whatever reason they're able to come back and finish their education describe what the what the uh, I'll, I'll use the term jokingly, city is like that you live in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, city's a very loose term. Yeah. Um, I've actually, it's it's built on an old airstrip that the Catholic mission started back 55, 60 years ago. Wow. So we have one row of houses down this side, one row of houses down this stride, and Main Street right down the middle. And uh, our house is at one end, and that's about... <laughs> just huts and and stuff uh down the road like it's i mean it's all i've ever known growing up there and the houses just kind of you know they they tear them down about every three or four years and they move them a little bit and then they stand them back up on the old foundation like if if dad were to go back now he would know 
which family groups were where because oh, all wow. family groups are still living in the basic same locations. You know, you there's no like soundproof walls, so you know everyone's business. And when someone starts having an argument, you stick your head out the window. Oh, they're arguing about that. You remember when so and so was like, you know, upset about that? Yeah, it's just that again. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. <laughs> Carrie, where where are you from? I'm from Martinsville, Indiana. Okay, so from in Indiana and New Guinea. Yeah, but dad's state, from, stateside. Dad's from Stillwater. Yeah. Mom's yep. from Tennessee. So we lived in between, or in whatever vehicle we had <laughs> when we were traveling around to churches. Now people ask me where's home. I say it's my Honda Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. So we live a lot in the van or the vehicle whenever we're home on furlough. Never imagined yourself. Growing up in Indiana, living in uh, in New Guinea, I don't know. I always felt like I was born in the wrong century. I wanted to be Little House on the Prairie. I wanted to do things the old way. Um, when I got into junior high, I wanted to do missions uh, across the border down into oh, that's Mexico. Awesome. That's that's always been a thing. Studied Spanish six years, thinking that's where I was going, but God had other plans, and so uh, uh, it was really neat visiting there in '97. Pretty well sold me. That's where we wanted to go. That's great. That's great. Um, so, John, tell us a little bit about how uh, you were led there. So you're turning to your son since your other son didn't have the, the carpentry skills. Uh, everything fell to, to Jess. So talk a little bit about how you're called to, to, to head down there. I, I want to say one thing. When Jesse called me and said, Dad, we're going to go over there and do that dream of yours, my response was, what dream? <laughs> Thanks. Because that, ex- that explains some things. Because it... <laughs> I think I was just green lighting one day and, and thinking, well, I'll never be able to do that. And I don't know how it's going to be done, but that's how that happened. Well, Benita and I were in a youth ministry in Southern Illinois. And uh, much like what Jesse said, the church had just built us a new parsonage to live in and things were going good. Benita was getting into the educational system as a teacher. And then the Lord just said, okay, that's not where you're going to go and it, I can't talk a long time because it would take half an hour just to tell the whole story the ins and outs of it but uh, we found ourselves down in Dallas Texas taking linguistic training and when we decided where to go we started looking and the, where we really wanted to go was Indonesia okay because they have these huge language groups that yeah. are still available yeah, yeah. Uh, but we couldn't get in because we were American, we were the wrong color, and we were Christians, so that was three strikes. And a man by the name of Ken Davis, who worked with uh, Wycliffe in uh, Papua New Guinea, he literally, he said, "We come, we want you to come. So we ended up down there, and uh, he, w- he was working with Wycliffe, but he was uh, a part of the Christian church, and he heard about us and said, why don't why don't you all come down here? And that was literally the only place that said, come on. Back so, at, back in that time period, missionaries' work going from America was not really welcomed, if yeah. I could put it that way. Yeah, Wy- Wycliffe, for those of you that may not know, is a, is a Bible translation organization that takes the Bible, uh, translates it into, uh, they've really got to focus right now on the unreached people groups and um, trying to you know battle that uh, the fact that you would be shocked uh, we'll probably find a stat and throw it up on the screen um, in terms of just how many uh, languages still in the world are without the scriptures so uh, Wycliffe is one of those that does that um, PBT 
Pioneer Bible Translators, mm-hmm. obviously, is another one. Um, so when we just throw out words like Pioneer or Wycliffe. That's what we're talking about, an organization committed to Bible translation, particularly in, in languages where people don't, uh, well, don't in, already have the scriptures. In P&G, there's like, what, 800 different languages? 860 plus languages. Atma, the language group that we work with, is now about 20,000 people, which is a large language group for our area. Yeah, like that, that that's hard to, for us to get our heads around, right? Like we kind of think in terms of major language blocks, English, Spanish, Italian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't know if I'd call Italian a major block, but compared to some of these, you know, some of what you're dealing with in Papua New Guinea, yeah, I mean, there's just, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different. Well, just look at it this way. Every town in Oklahoma speaks a different language. Yeah. You go to Perkins, that's different. You go to Morrison, that's different. Perry, that's different. Because so, that's how it is. Well, right? when you say different, is it, it would, would it be like um, the way uh, people in Quebec speak French and the way people in France speak French? Or is it like a fundamentally different alphabet, a fundamentally different um, you know, sentence structure, you name it? Like wh- how, how, how comparative are these 860-plus re- uh, languages? Well, there's, there's basically... A, couple of families it's it's like a big chart yep a couple of families and uh, there will be similarities but for instance I don't want to get into a lot of linguistic things because it's but not I would that like you what, one thing I would like you to do is I would like you to say some words because I, I'm fascinated when I hear another language so don't be afraid our audience is okay is I'll, good. So I'll say what I'll say one they said to me all the time your words are right but your tongue is heavy Okay, which means you're you're not you, speaking, you're speaking very well. the right words, but, but you sound like an okie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Is that Atma there? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then can you say a similar thing? Would you know a similar thing in another? I can say it in the trade trade language, yeah. which is what everyone speaks. See, I think that might have sounded Spanish to me. Well, what's funny is... <laughs> is that interesting? Okay, okay. When we were on furlough, Carrie, because of her six years of translation, we were at one of our supporting churches who has a Spanish-speaking um, uh, service, and somebody came in and said something to her in Spanish, and, and she's like, he's asking when it, where it is. And so she turned around and said something to him, and he got this confused look on his face. I said, dear... Uh, I know you think what you told him, but I understood you, and I don't know Spanish. She'd said it to him in pidgin, like she, the the trade language. Yeah, the trade like, language. Because the languages had kind of fused in her mind, huh. and so. Oh yeah. The first few months I was there trying to learn the language, I was dreaming in Spanish because I my brain was struggling so hard to wow. pick up this new language that it was just defaulting to whatever my second language was at the time. It took forever to get over that. Say well, your say yours again, John. Unimian princes masil wenyo denates. I'll say unimian princes wenyo denates. Okay, you can tell the difference. See, see uh, he was born. It's, there. it's hard. It's hard. Honestly, I'll be I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. be truthful. Um, I I bet you a lot of people are going. I couldn't tell. I mean, could you tell? It? <laughs> could you tell? I couldn't tell. I think that was the same person. No, I was watching on Facebook, and they're different people. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I bet you know, but that's it, it. Really shows you how much. And how valuable and how important it is, the stuff that we take for granted. Um, you know, it's, it's so funny. I have a lot of friends that whenever they're watching anything on Netflix that's from England, they have to have the words on the screen. They have to have the subtitles. And I kind of laugh. I'm like, it's in English. And they're like, yeah, but you know the English. They really don't know how to speak English well. So when, when the dialects do affect it. When Ryan Smith traveled over with us to PNG, 
we got to Brisbane and he went up because our luggage was lost and sh- the lady there in Brisbane started speaking to him. He said, Jesse, get up here. She's speaking un- English, but I didn't understand a single <laughs> word she said. <laughs> so it happens all over the place. Yeah. Well, but the thing you have to remember is those languages over there, uh, all 800 of them at one time, none of them were written down. Yeah. And so you had people's growing up with never looking at something on a printed page that was in their language. And so that was our work when we went over there to develop a, an alphabet, an orthography, a grammar statement, so that, uh, and then start putting it. And we had a... See, uh, yeah, I'm going to back you up because think about that for a moment. I mean, that's when I, I did, I did when I was studying Greek in, in, semi, in, in actually in Bible college, when I was studying it, I, I had still had never connected the dots that there are people out there that speak a language and they've never seen their language that they're speaking. And I remember someone coming in actually from Pioneer Bible Translators trying to recruit us Greek guys uh, to, to try to figure out whether or not we wanted to be involved in translation work. And then he began to explain that. And I just still remember sitting there going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, there would be a bunch of people that still wouldn't even know. It would just be orally communicated. There would be, there would be no, no written language. So when you went over, what year, what year did you and Benita go over? 77. 77. Um, Atma. Did it have – so you are the one? Well, we went in, and we were there, and we also had help from another translator, uh, Martha Wade, who worked on that sort of thing. While I mean, we were a small group when we first went over there. Yeah. The four people in the group were like a director, vice director, secretary, treasurer. <laughs> and so we, we traded around the directorship, and – and for some reason, they wanted me to do that for a couple of years. And so Martha was out there working on it. But just to explain uh, what's going on with that is that I can remember the first time that we actually read vernacular scriptures to the people. It was at a, a Christmas celebration. And they're used to having uh, all of their worship in the uh, uh, trade language. They'd never heard the scriptures in their language. And everybody was milling around you know how they do at church functions sure and then they started reading by the coffee bar i'm yeah. assuming yeah it's like well looking it's like, for creamer <laughs> exactly and and uh we we were all there and then uh i, I think it was maso my co-transfer just started reading the scriptures and it was just like hush silence yeah absolute silence well, it's it's still the same too because like our fm radio station is the only one that they get right because we're so far from town we don't get anything but like am stations and then our fm station and music will be going and whatever and we've got everything that's been translated we play we play a scripture like a chapter like in the in the morning and in the afternoon and you can hear it in stereo down the village in each house like three or four radios going but as soon as the scripture turns on parents turn around shut up they're gonna read the bible now and everything stops, and they'll listen to the scripture. That's awesome. And then it, the music comes. Around. All right, now everyone can go back. It's still the same, the same thing. reverence. Yeah, yeah. It was like that first time Mosler's daddy sang a scripture song in vernacular, and they got out the kundus, which are the little drums shaped like an hourglass. And we'd have people doing special music. This was at a Christmas, and he said can I do a song in our language? I said, well, yeah, go ahead. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so he and another 
uh, older gentleman, I think it was Bo Poot, they just started singing and they got the drum. And in Papua New Guinea, you have one beat in our area. Boom, 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 boom. And all he said, because of their traditional singing style, was repeat one line over and over and over again. Because when they used to do what they call the sing-sing, that's how they passed on their traditions. They'd sing one line like, Mary had a little lamb. Um, no, let me say, Little Red Riding Hood was going to take food to her grandmother. And then they'd say that like for five or ten minutes, and then they'd all rest, stand by. And this would go on all night long. She decided she was going to take it to her grandmother. And, and so that's how I do it. Well, let's hear the boom, boom, boom. And all he said was, Mary took the oil to anoint the body of Jesus in the grave. And suddenly it was like, everybody in the area was around them, hmm. starting clapping, started beating their hands. And it was just amazing how that scripture truth in their own language was just like flypaper. I mean, it's just, yeah, just everybody came. And so the the good part is now what what we did over there was just kind of the beginning. We were translators. All this stuff that Jesse and Gary are doing with the clinic, with the school, and they have they started an elementary school because the government wasn't going to support first and second grade. So the people came and said, "Can you do this for us?" Well, Carrie set up the curriculum. She set up wow. the teacher training programs. Uh, they sponsor they sponsored teachers with scholarships to go out and get training and then come back so that the, they can be incorporated in the government payroll system. And so our, you think the translation is really, really big, and it is, but, but they're, they're doing what they call scripture in use, yeah, which is taking that. And then in, in the Papua New Guinea government, they actually have as a goal in their vision statement for their educational program that by the time a child goes completely through the the, the uh, Papua New Guinea educational program, they'll be a Christian. That's mm. that's in their national goal. And in the school, they have religious training every day. And and one... And a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was the scriptures that helped them have literacy, yes. right? Which mm. and, and, you know, it's so interesting. It's even when we see what, what, what has happened around the world with, um, with the expansion of Christianity, with evangelism, with missionary work. Um, so much benefit came. I know that it's a, always a complicated thing to talk mm-hmm. about missionaries uh, transplanting their culture. One of the great things that you know, there's a lot of things that we could have done better, but one of the great things um, that we uh, that we shared with people uh, is the is is the literacy piece. Um, and so all of a sudden it, it, it helps them to see their language, and then all of a sudden you can have classes for seventh to twelfth grade students. Well, like with the elementary. If you don't have anything written, how are you supposed to make textbooks? Yeah. And Papua New Guinea government education department wanted them to bridge what they call bridging, bridge from their their mother tongue to English, because that's the goal of education is to to learn English, because English is the the language of commerce. It's the language that everyone uses uh, in business. Um, so it's easier for someone who speaks their language to what they call bridge over. And I'm not the literacy person, so you'll have to talk to Carrie about that. But the the interesting thing that we have seen is because Carrie set up the, the curriculum, because they asked her to do it, we use the Gospel of Luke as the main curriculum to learn how to read, to learn how to write. So by the time a kid graduates from grade two, they've essentially read the entire Gospel of Luke in their own language. 
um, which is great in and of itself, but it also helps us because one of our goals was to get a really high percentage of literacy rate in our area. A lot of adults don't want to admit that they can't read. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's normal. So now you've got, after 10 years of the, the elementary school, we've got over 800 kids that have gone through the school from our village and surrounding areas, which is really, I mean, population-wise, the percentage. I wish we had time to do the statistics, but I would say at least, at the very minimum, we've got 60 to 70% now literacy rate, anybody about 15 and below. And that's literate in like three different languages, wow. English, Atma, and the trade language. See, Steve, you need to take a statistician when you go over and do some work. So while you're up there giving them internet and Wi-Fi and all those amazing things. Hi, Def TV. Hi, Def TV. Um, we'll take somebody over and, and, and they can work the stats for you. So that would be great. Um, Carrie, anything you want to you know help us understand like what that looks like? Um, because it, it, it is. It's it's so groundbreaking for us. It's almost like Little House on the Prairie-like. You know what I mean? It literally is. Is it John Ingalls? Was that his name? Laura Ingalls. No, but what was the dad? Wasn't it John? Charles. Charles. It was Paul. Ch- Paul, that yeah, it was Paul, Charles. <laughs> so Charles Ingalls, right? They're out in the middle of nowhere, and they're, you know, they're, they're forging the way, so to speak. And so this is what you're doing with this language. And, and what, what's that? How do you – I ask a crazy – how do you do that? Like, <laughs> That's a good question. I'll let you know when we figure it out. <laughs> no, it's, it's been really – it's been interesting learning a new, a new education system. Uh, I did all my training here in the U.S. It looks very, very different. Uh, the materials are so readily available. So when you get ready to go into a lesson and you want to teach them about their community and their culture – Obviously, no one's written anything about the Atma community and culture, um, and especially not in their own language. So there may have been studies done by anthropologists, but that's not on the level of a kindergarten, first and second grade. So sitting down with different teachers or prospective teachers and um, making up little books to talk about the ways that they make grass skirts or the ways that they mm. make a dipper for water or things that they do every day and just giving some um, validity and some credence to the knowledge they already have and the the gifts and skills they already possess as a culture um, and letting those kids have some pride in in the things that they already know and that they bring to the table when they come into the school has been it's been fun to watch watch them see themselves in their books so uh, a lot of our books we create with the kids uh, do a lot of photo work Um, so it's it's neat to watch them interact with their own culture and get to see and take some pride in that, not just have Dick and Jane books brought over from America or from Australia. Yeah, so. yeah, and uh, you know that's even helpful because forget just the language barrier, but the cultural barrier. Um, you know, it's we, we love to send resources to different places, and and I get the com- the complexity of we don't want to be rude. Nothing like a book on Halloween. <laughs> yes, <about> exactly. <laughs> Halloween doesn't really cut it, and uh, I got some great books on hockey in the nineteen seventies oh, yeah. in Flin Flon, Manitoba, that I can send you on the great go- uh, uh, Bobby Clark, and you're going. Okay, that, that's not going to translate at all in Papua New Guinea, and so it's neat that you're able to you're able to pull that up. Um, so when when did they first have John? When when was the language completed? Uh, the written language. Ooh, mid eighties. Okay, so mid eighties, um, the the language has been formally uh, scripted, so mm-hmm. to speak, um, for this group of about twenty ish thousand is that fair so twenty thousand people um and then you go after the new testament first is that how that works no actually we well see that's the problem you start thinking about well where do we start and you've already started 
we, well, we've done little things. Okay. But what, what are we going to do for our first book? And a lot of people in America think, well, if you're going to do the New Testament, you start with Matthew. Well, guess what? There's a lot of things that happened over there before Matthew was written, especially in the Jewish history. So we actually started out with the story of Joseph. Okay. Because it was a narrative. And narratives are, are much easier to translate than yeah. than epistles than particularly epistles because yeah. you've got a and that was one of the joys for me is I, I got to see these older guys in the village that I worked with in my translation and they were just sitting around theologizing. Like how are we gonna say your sins shall be white as snow when we don't know what snow is? Yeah. And like for the for the Atma language, they did not have a a word for sin. And and we we th- we threw that around until finally we came up. Well, what what's the worst thing that you can do in your culture? And they said steal. And so we used that word to incorporate that meaning of sin. Mm-hmm. Like a stealing man is a sin man. But there were lots of lots of times like that that was really fun. And then, so what do you do when you have to talk about this the the sin of stealing? Is it the stealing of stealing? I mean, do you just, does it become almost, you know, I hate to geek you guys out, geek out our audience, not you guys, but um, is it, does it almost become the superlative, like the stealers of stealing? Like how, how you, know, you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, I know, but it's hard to explain. Okay. Because. Because uh, <laughs> I'm not smart enough. <laughs> no, it's, I don't care. No, what, but I, I don't care what these things. <laughs> I think you're a smart guy. Uh, ish. I'm Canadian, remember? I try. But it was, I mean, there were so many things that, that were in the scriptures that they had no clue. So we had to find what they call a dynamic equivalent. Equivalence, yeah. And we had to find a name for God. Because, uh, well, just imagine if, if, if suddenly all we had was a Chinese Bible, and that's what we all in America had to learn was Chinese, it would be that foreign. So we came up, the, our, actually our word for God is Yamom because that was their spirit that created everything and was a good spirit. And so that, that's what we would, instead of saying God, we would say Yamom. And so we had to work through all of those things. And it's still a work in progress because the more that they learn over there, the, the more that they're going to, as, as these two work with them, especially yeah. Carrie and working with these things, we're going, some, some young man is going to say, you know what, that doesn't quite really fit with what we're trying to get here as they understand more and more of the translation. Okay, so, I mean, this is where I think our audience should just, like, swallow hard. Because what John is describing that he did for the Atma language happened one day long time ago for English-speaking people. Yeah. Right? Or even, even in the Greek world. So what word do we use to try to explain what we would say in English, the sanctifying work of God? Or what does it mean to redeem? Well, what do we redeem? Well, well we buy back these things. And we, they would find a, a Greek word that was being used in Roman culture, and they would do it. So that's why when I'm, when I'm studying in the Greek language, they would say, this term is a legal term defining blah, blah, blah. This term here is a courtroom term that's explaining. This term here is a economic term that they used. And it's like, well, didn't they have like Bible words? And it's like, well, but that's not the issue. The issue is this Greek culture that is grown, or this Greek language, which is existing within these Roman cultured people, they now have to hear what God did with his son on the cross 
and to to deal with our stealing problem mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 you know honestly I, I recommend you kind of rewind that back again and just kind of even think about uh, two things number one be grateful for the work that has been done ultimately by God and by his spirit um, helping men and women uh, giving them the gifts and the abilities to put it into and, and I'll just be grateful for English right now uh, to just presume that somehow that Bible in the pew has always existed there is ridiculous. Um, and so, uh, you know, think about it in terms of time. It seems like way back when it happened in English. But comparatively speaking, for how long civilization has been, we're a lot closer to the Atma people than we want to even, or that, or that we just easily recognize. So, Well, especially when you think of people died because they wanted to put the Bible yeah. in the language of the people and they ended up being burnt yeah. to death yeah. or executed. And we think about that and just think, oh, well, that was that could you know did that really happen a guy translated the bible and was killed was killed for it yeah well it's 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 also like um if you think about our culture i we get tv and movies very late over in png so i just got to see hey have you seen leave it to beaver lately yeah no (laughs) the newest episode was awesome yes it was but ward (laughs) got okay I am like. I, yeah, am yeah. I done? I yeah. like Eddie. That's a great joke. That was a good, yeah. good throwback. Anyway, okay, you were doing something important before yeah. I interrupted. The Hatfields and McCoys. I just watched it like three years ago. So the one that came time. out with uh, was that Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner. Oh yeah, I love my wife and I love yeah. that. So I had some guys in the village. They were over and they're like, "When did this happen?" I'm like, "Oh, this is over a hundred years ago, right?" For the U.S. history. Yeah, yeah. But there he said, well, why did the fight start? And I said, well, it was over a pig, a woman, and possibly some land. They're like, oh, well, that's why we fight. (laughs) But then for us to look down upon that and say, well. How petty. How petty, how stupid. 100 years is not that long time. I agree. In the grand scheme of things. So for us to just, you just have to think about, like, what in that context, like, Think about words like grace, mercy. How do you translate those? What does it mean? And not just mean as in what the meaning of the word is. What does it mean as far as of a theological concept? Yeah. How do you get that across? Yes, yes. And I love how, you know, what Carrie, what you're trying to do, John, you said like in use, right? The application. And so the fact that you're doing this all simultaneously, it's not a matter of, okay, we're going to go be in our hut and we'll let you know when we have the Bible done. Yeah. No, it's like we, we are also interacting with, with this culture. Like we're helping them understand who they are. And even as you were describing um, the pride that, that, uh, that these young men and young women are beginning to, to see in the, in the gifts that God himself has given them and the culture that God himself uh, has, has helped them to, to create, all of a sudden is a whole different way of looking at it. So I, w- I want to ask you this. When, when you're doing this, John, are you... Are you translating from what? What are you? What is your base text that you're using before that you're creating? The Greek. Okay, so it is in the Hebrew, or did you did you have to cheat there? Well, yeah. And by cheat, I don't. I, and by I, cheat, I, I would have to cheat. I mean, it's the Hebrew is a mess. Well, what what? This is the old days before sure before the computer, and so we'd have books all over oh, this yeah. table yeah. with different translations yeah. and let's and then lo and behold they came up with the eight translation bible which really helped because you didn't have, yeah you didn't have all that so basically we start with the greek but you know 
it's it's presumptive on my part to think that I'm the kind of Greek scholar that I could translate that. I would look at the way other people yeah, no, would no, translate no. it. Well, well, and again, for the record, like that's what that's what even the best guys do. <laughs> Right, so you would even look at the best of the best, and when they're they're you know we're we're talking about looking at a, a new primary translation for our church. So the last few podcasts have actually been about uh, me and Ryan spent a lot of time evaluating ESV in comparison to the new CSB and the NIV, and um, even those guys when they're doing it are looking at what others have done. So uh, there is no in that sense you don't even want to be like a uh, a scholar in the sense that I decide everything because that just ignores a lot of good study in the past. So what you're describing, John, is actually called good scholarship where I was trained, <laughs> looking at all these different translations and looking at, yeah, you. Well, um, so I want to touch on something that Jesse said that, that most people don't realize is that like th- these two people are a buffer between the Atma people and the rest of the world. Hmm. A lot of people don't understand that when missionaries go in, and like the guy asked Jesse the question, well, when did this happen? Or this happened in America. And so there's a, you know from your missionary travels that the way that the Western world is impacting the rest of the world. And there's gotta be somebody in the role that they play lots of times is just say, well, let me, because if you come in and you look at something and you're a person in Papua New Guinea, and they see a video, and and they say, "Wow, is that what the rest of the world is like?" And for instance, like when we went over there, uh, we learned that a lot of the third world countries think that American women were all all American women were prostitutes. Yeah. Why? They saw a pretty woman. They wore jeans. Oh, they wore jeans. Okay. Yeah. So there it is, and 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 so of course that's changed. That's changed. When Benita and I were there, she never wore anything but like sundresses. Now it's changed. Every, you know, women. Carrie wears jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed. I have to admit it. But I it, can't believe you married such a woman. <laughs> but, it was, but that's what missionaries I knew do. they were like that in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they're a buffer. Sure. And that's yeah. a role that they perform. And so what Carrie is doing with, with the cultural studies of their own culture is giving them a, a pr- not only a pride in their own culture, but an understanding of how this is them and, and the rest of the world is not you. It's yeah. something different. It's different. But you're, oh, with our but you're part school, of it. Yeah. You should see, we're having to, we're, we've gone paperless in our phone school, so everyone has a tablet, but we don't have internet connectivity. But when people go to town, they can hook that tablet up to the internet. Now, this is a second language for people. English is their second language. How do you teach people to safely search the yeah. internet? Oh, my There's goodness. no filters. Yeah. There's nothing to protect uh, them from yeah. all that's out there on the internet. That's why when uh, we, we've tossed around the idea of trying to ask for an internet service provider, um, a network provider, to come out and put a tower up. And that's, Jesse and I have batted this around back and forth, all the good that could come with it, but without a a filtering system yeah, or some yeah. kind of education on how to search safely and how to use it for what it's good for and, and leave away all the trash. Yeah. It's so hard introducing that into a culture that doesn't have that, that filter, that understanding of everything that could possibly be out there. That's well, amazing. Well, not only that, but if you go to my Facebook and friend me on Facebook, you'll notice that when I post something, I have people commenting in other languages on what's going on and and it's because there's Papua New Guineans now on Facebook. There's people from our village who don't have internet network but when they go to town they get 
they get it and so they're on there so they're seeing what we're doing like visiting churches and stuff which is really cool yeah but the i got a me- facebook message on messenger the other day said hey look i got this email it says if i send them three thousand kina <laughs> <laughs> that they're going to send in a month or two, yeah. they're going to send me 20000 back, and I've got the money, and I'm ready to do it. I just need the account number and everything. How do I do an international transfer? And they're dead serious. Yeah. Like, and for you and me, that, that email just goes automatically yeah. to junk. We don't even think about it. But for them, like it came from the Internet. It's yeah. real. It's real. It's wow. Real. Wow. Actually, I... I've met some people at our church that still do that. So just kind of FYI. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's not I real. I think they must be from Papua New Guinea, Steve. That's yeah. how we can that's how we can figure that out. Um trying to think so when did the Bible come? When was the Bible completed or is the Bible completed old and new? It's 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 still being done. Wow. Cuz we came back in uh, 02 and we made a couple of trips back. Uh, until my mom, you know, really got bad yeah, and needed yep, care all the yep, time. Yep. And so uh, I have a co-translator that's working, but that's been on and off for several years. But he's he's back into it now. So how much is done? Uh, you asked me that. And it, it, you, you can't say how much is done until you get to each completed book because there's steps. There's rough drafts. Yeah. There's a series of checks. Yeah. yeah. And then it's a completed well, there's book. Only and are you with PBT? Or are you with Wycliffe? I was with PBT, yeah. PBT, okay, yeah. with Pioneer Bible. There's only five or six books left that are not in draft. Okay. Everything else is either in between. I know because we have to deal with the what scripture that we can use because PBT has to sign off on it before we publish it for use in the school or anything else. Um, and we've got a pretty good working partnership with them. Um, but like just in the last couple months five of the epistles are like they're ready to print carrie knows it's philemon ephesians philippians colossians and there's one other one okay like think about that guys that means that they don't know ephesians yeah oh it just hurts it hurts what a wonderful what a wonderful blessing it'll be when they get that book but the good news is is we're in the process now of having just the gospel of luke reprinted that's awesome because we ran out of copies because of how many are getting used it's a great problem yeah (laughs) that is exciting yeah so all right now are you guys doing any of that work are you guys doing any of the translation work yourselves we don't do the translation carrie the reason Dad recruited us was not because of me and my construction skills. He really wanted Carrie's literacy and education okay. background. Sure. I, I was just kind of like, well, he can come too. Yeah. Um, Muscle and eye candy. Yeah, basically. So <laughs> we, yeah. So we we went over there. Dad recruited us. This is 02, right? Dad and I go over in, uh, or 03. Dad and I go over in 03 for a quick trip. I do all the government paperwork, come back, and beginning of 04, we go over. And Dad and Mom never come back. Like, or not yeah. for permanent. Yeah. The good news is, is I got the house that they built way back when, since remodeled, rewired, replumbed. Um, Re everything. Yeah, to make it. Yeah, livable. Livable. <laughs> yeah, yep. And so, um, but the right now, anything that gets um, translated and is signed off, like we try to implement it just as soon as possible. We're really excited about going back because James is complete too, and James is my favorite book because there's so many practical things yeah. in James. Yeah. Like I could just sit and read James over and over and pretty much ignore the rest of it because for a guy like me who's nuts and bolts and who's pre- like, 
don't tell me about how I should feel. Just tell me what I should do. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's me. You'd, you'd make a good Jewish man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really would. Um, man, it has been a pleasure uh, having you here. I mean, it's, it's been fun. It's been not only been really good for our people to, to see what is happening in Papua New Guinea so that they can continue to pray for, uh, for you and for, for, for Jesse, for the work that's happening for the kids and, and the new little one Israel that, uh, I got to meet the other day. That was awesome. And, uh, it was so interesting and he was describing, so where'd you get them from? And they said, Facebook. And I looked over and, uh, one of our people on staff here recently, had the same connection. It's yeah. little little Jolie at our church here, kind of the same kind of neat connecting thing that happened. So um, it's just amazing to see how God works. And uh, it's fascinating for me to think about that these kids over in Papua New Guinea all are using tablets to go paperless in a place that doesn't even have the internet yet. So, you, you know, you put some of these things together and it is definitely, I think every time thinks it's in an amazing time, right? Back in the 1800s, they were like, wow, look at this amazing time we live in. Um, but I guess every time is an amazing time when the spirit is, uh, is, is the one empowering us uh, to do his bidding. So uh, I really have loved kind of getting to know uh, a little bit more about the work that you are doing. And uh, you're here for how long? When do you guys head back? We head back on September 11th. Okay. Um, for some reason, I got really good price for tickets for flying on that day. So, you know, we go when it's the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> so we may need to come back in and do uh, and do something else. How long are you in Stillwater for? My uh, August 11th. Okay. So a little bit yeah. of time. So, yeah. man, and we're, we're looking forward to praying over you guys on Sunday uh, in our corporate prayer time. Um, so that's going to be great. John, glad you came too. Well, thank you appreciated uh, your insight and all of that stuff. Any final thoughts that you guys want to give before we wrap it up? I hope that, that the congregation has a chance to see the, these little short videos that Jesse has made uh, because when we sit around here and talk about this and we talk about all the advances, people don't still realize that they get out to their village by river and then by roads with quotes around them and uh, uh, some of the things that were in place when we were there are still in place as far as just living there. And that's, you kind of have a tendency to think when you hear about all the things they're doing, not understand the conditions. Yeah. Especially how Jesse has to get his timber. And th that's a whole nother story with a, a, what they call a portable sawmill and they take it all by canoe and cut trees down and mill it and bring it all around like that. I mean, it's just, you don't go down to Walmart or Lowe's and buy something, yeah. you do it. And that's what, that, that's what they've been doing all these years. I can't, ima I, I think I can endure a lot. I think I have actually that ability. I don't think I can do um, mosquitoes or flies. Don't like do I, in the wet season. I, I just don't, I, I really, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, when I hear stories about what you guys have to endure in that in that realm, it's I can go without internet. I can even go. I, I even love the idea. I can, you know, I've learned to become a little more interested in the in the in the uh, paw scenario and how we can do some things. But if there are mosquitoes, I gotta go. I can't do it. <laughs> well, they caught when we went there back in the day. They said, "Well, no, no white people can live where you want to try and live." And so, well, that was like throwing the gauntlet down, you know, for me. But, but anyway, I would have went. Yeah, that sounds they, about they, right. They, uh, <laughs> they call that place. Like, if I say it in pigeon, it won't come off really good. But they, it's like the origin of the mosquito. 
that's what they called. Some, yeah, no, someone. that's that's why no no uh, no white guy like named Jim Johnson could actually live there. Actually, unless one, the one spirit wanted, the, if the spirit wanted me to go, I guarantee I could do it. Well, if you go during the dry season, is it better? There okay. there aren't any. Okay, I mean, I could go, Steve. I'll go if it's dry season. Dry season next year. We're going dry season. I just, I, I'm, I'm telling you, the guys, I really can't do mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. Hope it's been a blessing. Remember to pray uh, for the priors and uh, and to to ask God to continue to give them strength and wisdom and uh, endurance um, as they as they love the Lord in Papua New Guinea.